Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today I'm joined by Dr. Aaron Friedkin, the Chief Revenue Officer at Homeward. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Jared. I'm excited for us to, to chat. You and I had the opportunity to meet at the American Telemedicine Association Conference out in Boston. We did a little cool teaser video, which we haven't done too many of those. So that was great. And uh, it was just awesome to be able to connect with you. And uh, what, what did you think of that conference? Yeah, it was great. It was my first time being there. So um, it was what was really interesting to me, in addition to just hearing the, the general momentum around telemedicine coming out of the pandemic, um, in the exhibit hall, seeing just the number of um, vendors that have really interesting solutions from a technology standpoint, it, what was striking to me is that I think you're starting to see a lot of these things become much more commoditized. So it's less around the tools themselves and it's how you're using them and, and the opportunities for people to really come together to think through what's the best way to actually take advantage of all the things that, that we've been able to deploy over the past several years. So that was, that was particularly interesting to me. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a pretty good conference. It was my first in-person ATA conference. I've done a few of the virtual. And, you know, everyone tries to do a great job with virtual, and some do better than others. Um, ATA did a pretty good job with their virtual one. But you can't, you can't replace that in-person conference. And like you said, the energy of seeing the booths and, and, and seeing the sure uh, mass of how many companies are in this virtual care or hybrid space is just incredible. Um, but yeah, it, it was a good conference. Always, always great to have an excuse to go up to Boston uh, yep. as well. For sure. Well, I'd love to dive into uh, hearing a little bit more about your background, and then we can talk a little bit about Homeward. But would love to hear more about you. Let's let's get it rolling. Yeah, uh, thanks. So yeah, I know you and I were just joking that uh, um, I happen to be a physician and also chief revenue officer of an organization. Those two things don't always go hand in hand, but I think uh, my background is really what's lended itself to that. So I'm actually a radiologist by background. Uh, I left practice almost eight years ago now, uh, spent a few years at McKinsey and Company as a management consultant working on payer strategy, provider strategy, kind of broader healthcare issues. And then ultimately ended up on the, the health plan side, uh, first at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota, where I was their medical director, worked with all their large national companies, um, customers on their healthcare strategy, and then spent uh, over four years at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, where I had a number of different roles, everything from um, owning clinical strategy for our commercial business, owning all of product and market solutions, developing our digital health strategy. And then most recently, I was um, my title was Senior Vice President of Care Delivery Transformation, where I was basically responsible for all of the new uh, value-based partnerships with either new entrant providers or how do you help existing providers evolve to take on uh, kind of exist in a value-based care world. So when you think about um, companies like ChenMed and Oak Street and Landmark, uh, those types of partnerships uh, were responsible for that. And then um, really working with both primary care providers and specialist providers to allow them to take care of patients the way they wanted to and in a value-based way. So uh, because of that, and my, my plan experience, uh, I got to know the folks from Livongo really well. I was involved in launching Livongo at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, um, really building our digital health portfolio. And through that work, uh, I had the chance to, to get to know Jenny Schneider, who's our CEO at Homeward, prior president and CMO at, uh, at Livongo. Um, and when Jenny talked to me about what they were trying to set out to do at Homeward, which I'll, I'll talk about, um, 
it was an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up and realized, uh, I think Jenny realized that my background, understanding how health plans think and understanding how health plans need to work with new type of providers, um, it was a really great opportunity to bring those things together. So. Super interesting. Yeah, no, it, I mean, you sound like the perfect fit for, based on what I've learned about Homeward too and what you're trying to do. Um, and then I think once uh, you tell us more about Homeward, everyone that's listening will also see that fit uh, immediately. Because as soon as you were, as soon as uh, you and I were talking more about Homeward and I obviously did some research, it just became super clear that, I mean, you were the, the perfect addition for this role exactly. Also, I just want to point out, I don't know too many physicians that are in a chief revenue office. You and I were joking about this earlier. So you, you're probably one of like five, I would have to say, maybe. Um, so kudos to you for, <laughs> uh, for for getting into that. Yeah, no, it, it's great. Um, so uh, yeah, I'll probably talk a bit about Homeward. So um, Homeward is a new technology-enabled value-based care provider that was really built from the ground up to overcome the challenges of delivering care to um, individuals that live in rural geographies, areas that have historically been kind of underserved um, largely because of significant challenges, whether it's the you know, kind of lack of geographic density, lack, lack of infrastructure, lack of existing providers that are there today, um, really challenged to deliver healthcare to those populations. And the way that we do that is through a combination of community-based, um, in-person and kind of mobile care, uh, that's augmented by centralized, um, scalable kind of digital uh, um, care management, clinical oversight. So the whole idea is we want to have a hyper-local focused um, presence in the communities where we'll have large mobile clinics that will strategically um, be positioning throughout the communities, going into people's home um, to deliver care in their home as needed. And then um, for those individuals that are comfortable with virtual care, being able to offer that. So very much a, a new entrant provider in the community, but we realized pretty early on that the idea of solving the access issues in rural areas by trying to get a bunch of physicians to move to rural areas, that was never going to work. So how do you work with the resources that are already there, whether it's nurses, medical assistants, EMTs, um, that can be the primary face um, that's interacting with the patient and then support those resources with more central, uh, you know, physician oversight, nurse practitioners, access to specialists. And then the real interesting opportunity was, how can you start to deploy things like remote patient monitoring in a way that allows us to keep an eye on the population without expecting them to change anything in their day-to-day -day lives? So that's what, um, that's what we've set out to do with Homeward. That's, that's what Homeward is. And the last thing that I will, uh, I mentioned that we're value-based care provider. It's that aspect is really critical to our model because so much of what we're doing is different and we're building it to solve for the challenges that exist today. And we knew from the start that we couldn't be constrained by just the traditional fee-for-service way of like taking care of the population and getting paid. We knew that we had to take on accountability for the total cost of care. And that allows us to pull all the different levers that we possibly can to make sure that we're deploying what's needed um, to solve this really challenging problem. That was going to, that was going to be one of the, Oh my God, I almost forgot how to speak there for a second. Um, that was going to be the next question I asked you was, and I apologize. This sounds a bit repetitive, but I talked it through with you when we were talking about what, you know, we were going to talk about and it still sounded okay to me, but talk us through why it's important to start with value-based care from the start. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, as I mentioned, the we just fundamentally knew that we're going to have to take a different approach to delivering care to this population to overcome all those challenges I talked about. And if you go into that already handicapped by then having to say, is this service covered or not covered by the payer? Oh, what's the reimbursement rate for this? Oh, this one doesn't cover it. Um, we knew that we weren't going to have the degrees of freedom that were going to be needed to think big enough to, to solve the challenges that exist. So from the first piece, it's just this idea of we wanted to really be unconstrained in building a clinical model that can support the population. The second piece is if you start down the fee-for-service world and that's you're, you're designing towards kind of having one foot in the fee-for-service you know, boat canoe and the other foot in the value-based care canoe, it's it's really tempting to just start driving your fee-for-service economics and get hooked on the fee-for-service, you know, um, kind of crack that's out there to say that's that's the way that our business is going to run. And we just knew from the beginning we had to fundamentally not be aligned in that way. We had to align towards we're responsible for taking care of the population. How do we work with the health plans to make the economics aligned in that way? So. I don't know if you could hear that, by the way. I it sounds, I've never heard a plane sound as close as it is right now. Like everything is rattling. I live live near an airport and my place is starting to shake, which it's one of the tiny airports. Yeah. Uh, A bit scary. So, okay. Good good to know that you're not hearing that. I'm not Uh, hearing it. I hope everything's okay. (laughs) We're good. um, Okay. It's really interesting. You know, I've I've had the the team from ChenMed on lots of episodes and uh, also from Curation Health, like these value-based care players, um, you know, that were were value-based care from the start, like you're talking about. And uh, value-based care is not a new thing, right? It's been around for a while, but it seems like we're, we're talking about it more over the last two years than we ever did before, which is awesome. Um, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in order to uh, to, to continue moving away from the fee, you know, fee for service to, to totally, value, you know, or as much value-based yeah. care as possible. For sure, and there's you know there's this interesting. Um, you can come at it from a couple of different angles. There's the trying to evolve the existing. Um, providers, practices, hospital systems to move towards a value-based care you know, world and mindset. Um, I think that you are going to see more and more just the general acceptance and understanding that this is the, the path that we need to go down. The challenge becomes, like if you are an existing health system or provider practice, it's this many-to-many relationship where there's many payers working with many providers across many lines of business. And when you start to create all those different iterations and nothing standardized, it's really hard for anyone to say you even know where to start to try to like do something um, to move in that direction. So the likelihood of having something that's truly transformational within an existing model becomes harder. Now, granted, that's where the patients are today. So it's in their best interest to actually work with those patients and try to move in that direction. The advantage that we have is, so the disadvantage that we have coming in is like, we don't have patients today, but we have the ability to think through what is it that patients really want? Um, what is it they actually need? What is it that the health plans would actually want to deliver against their objectives? And part of the beauty of entering into the rural markets, they're really challenged. They're, there's an access issue there. So some of these patients are just floating around. They're, they don't necessarily have a provider. So if we can become attractive enough for those individuals, um, they're bought into our model, we're able to bring them in. 
we really do think that we can rapidly kind of flip the switch in these markets that historically have nobody's really been paying attention to. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Uh, I love the approach. Um, I want to shift our focus uh, to something we, we also were, were discussing a bit. Um, just just to go into it a little more detail. So what what in your opinion will save Medicare Advantage in, in rural areas? Yeah, you know, when you look at Medicare Advantage, so I'm one of these, and look, I'm very biased. I've been on the health plan side. I've seen the value that Medicare Advantage can actually deliver to patients. I think there's been a lot of data that's actually shown that Medicare Advantage plans can can offer a lot of benefits that patients haven't had access to in the past. Um, you know, when you structure the benefits correctly, Me- Medicare Advantage incentivizes the health plans to actually think about taking care of the population and, and actually delivering an experience that patients love. There's still plenty of questions around there as to whether or not Medicare Advantage saves the overall health system money. Um, that's still up for debate, and I think there's going to be you know, more push in that direction. But Medicare Advantage in general is the direction where we are seeing the, the country go. Um, this is where all the, the attention from all the payers are. Now, when you look at rural markets, and we've, we've looked at this data over and over again, um, in general, Medicare Advantage is just much less penetrated in these areas. Um, nationally, if you were to look at kind of non-rural counties, Medicare Advantage at the beginning of this year was about 47% penetrated. In rural markets, it's about 37, 38% penetrated. And there was actually a study that came out last year where they looked at individuals that are in rural areas um, and saw that they're twice as likely to switch from Medicare Advantage back to traditional Medicare as people that live elsewhere. And when you dug in and asked why, uh, it's pretty logical. Um, These individuals are already access constrained. And then you layer on top of that the perceived you know, restrictions that most Medicare Advantage plans have. And if I'm an individual, I say, I already am struggling to find a doctor, and now you're going to make me jump through more hoops. Why would I want this? So this is why, as we've been talking with health plans in the markets that we're entering, they're realizing that, that hey, Homeward is actually solving that first access issue that, that you know, most of the people we're trying to market to um, is a big barrier. If we solve the access issue, what else can we do to make Medicare Advantage more attractive, which could even think about how does Homeward plus a Medicare Advantage plan coming together um, create a benefit set that's more attractive for those patients that really understand what is it that a rural population actually needs? So um, I think this idea of, one, fundamentally solving the access issue that exists for rural areas, doing it in a way that patients actually love, and then really being thoughtful about working with Medicare Advantage plans to say, what are the benefit suites, the constellation of services that you can provide that layer on top of the clinical model to really make this attractive for this population? That's what we're, we're hopeful and um, you know, will work. And I can tell you from the Medicare Advantage plans that we've been talking to, there's a very strong interest in that. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how you continue to... Uh, I, I mean, I think given your background, that's going to help. Um, obviously, uh, having having ties to the payer side, it's, it's tough to bridge those gaps between, between the two sides. So, uh, if anyone can do it, your, your background will certainly, will certainly help with that. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. As we get ready to wrap up here, I'd love to, to highlight something big, right? So you had a big announcement. So, uh, recently, so talk us through that, the excitement around the team, the excitement around the, the two organizations. Um, I'm sure by this point, many people have seen the announcement, but, 
they they get to see the excitement in your eyes when you say it now. Uh, yes. No, thanks. So we were thrilled. So yes, uh, we were able to announce um, uh, a week ago our partnership with Rite Aid. Um, so as you think about our model, we will be deploying our mobile clinics in the communities where um, we'll be entering. And those, think about it, a very large uh, mobile clinic, big kind of RV sized clinic where we're able to position this throughout the communities to bring care to where people are already going. Um, when you look at the rural populations, um, uh, locations where people visit, they visit their pharmacies. And Rite Aid happens to have a very large presence, um, actually have 700 locations, uh, rural locations alone across the country. And um, they have a very strong commitment to serving the rural population. So we were very excited to announce our partnership with Rite Aid, where it's not just being able to have um, uh, our mobile clinics located on site at Rite Aid locations throughout um, Michigan, which is our, our initial market where we're launching, but also to be able to collaborate with Rite Aid so that um, Rite Aid customers can be made aware of all the services that Homeward offers that may, they historically haven't had access to. So it really is a synergistic partnership to say, how do we add value to the customers that are visiting Rite Aid today? And then how can um, those uh, you know, Rite Aid customers have access to clinical services that they didn't have otherwise? So it's, it's really exciting. And it, and it just speaks to this idea that we want to meet people where they're already going. We don't want to expect them to do something different outside of their day-to-day -day routine. And for those individuals that uh, frequent Rite Aids today, this is, a, this is a great way to meet them where they are. Well, please uh, you know, continue to keep us in the loop. Any new updates that come on, uh, we'd love to have you. We have a different show for that, but basically two to five minute format. So if you have any new announcements, new partnerships uh, that you want to announce, let us know. We'll have you come back on. I know everyone would want to hear from you. Yeah, would love to. And, and uh, uh, foreshadowing, we'll anticipate some more announcements in the coming weeks. So uh, lots of activity here at Homeward.